listening to Zeros on Heroes with Mike Mercadal and Will Watkins. Hey everybody, welcome to Zeros on Heroes. My name is Mike Mercadal and this is Will Watkins. Uh, thank you everybody for joining us and listening and uh, thank you guys for liking and sharing. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, Mr. Lucas Connolly. Say what's up. Hello. That's hey. his voice. Um, Lucas is a friend of ours from back in uh, Florida. And uh, uh, he was one of the pioneers. Like he was one of the, I think one of the first people, aside from like Mike Lawrence and people who like came up to New York and was like, man, we're doing it. Yeah, he was one of the first New York, uh, Florida comics to come up to New York and really and dude, fuck it, he's made a name for himself up here, man. Yeah, everybody he's doing good work. If you drop the name Lucas, everybody knows Lucas. Like he's the dude. He's at every comic. You're the dude. Uh. <laughs> 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 now you're flattery. If you if you agree to it, then it's like oh, so you do think that? You think yeah. you're the best? You think you're? The, uh. Or if you say no, you're like don't be full of shit, man. Come on. It's a lose lose. That happened the other day. Katie goes, uh, "Hey, do you think I could be? Uh, do you think I'm pretty enough to be a plus size model?" And I was like, "I can't. This is not a win win. This is the lose lose answer." That's the answer track. is yes, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, she yeah, definitely yeah. could be. Yeah, in a you know what I mean? In a nice. Like, way. I think you you're pretty I mean? enough, but I think you need to go a category lower. But anyway, Lucas is really funny. funny. <laughs> what? Wait. <laughs> I gotta go on the scale of... Uh, you don't think she needs a scale? See, this is why, <laughs> this is why it didn't work. This is a God moment. damn it. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for dropping in, Lucas. And uh, you are... Um, you were one of the pioneers. You moved up here kind of... Uh, uh, of your own accord, you didn't really have anyone kind of up here to, to kind of ferry you around, and and now you've uh, you've been kind of uh, in, you know helping us out, so it's yeah. been really fun. Biggest blessing is not knowing anybody somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. Now I had to make new friends. Yeah, yeah. You forced to. You're forced to. Uh, well, you can also create a new identity. Well, that's, you know. Which I did totally. <laughs> I'm way more confident here. Yeah. <laughs> That's why um, uh, I'm glad he chose the hero he did. We're going to get another hero after the news and stuff, but he chose uh, Emo Phillips is going to be a hero. And I'm so glad he chose that because, like, Lucas has gone through so many different characters since I've known him. And I'm like, he finally found, when he got up to New York, he found his character. And it fucking works for him. It's great. Well, do you consider it a character? Or was it just you trying versions of yourself to... Which you know, I guess it's a it's a hard question to answer. All right, so this is what it, how it manifested when people ask this question to me a lot, and it's not on podcasts. They just ask me. They're like, "When did you find out your character?" And I go, "What?" Like, like in the beginning, I'm <laughs> right. always like, "What? What do you mean by character?" And someone's like, "Well, when you're on stage, it's like you're doing your hypomanic state. It's like it's oh, like yeah. you are way more gung ho." And I go, "Yeah, I'm selling my act." Yeah. There you go. That's it. That changed my perspective when I moved up here where you're like, perform your material. Do it. Like, be that person that, that, that you, that you don't try and fit into the New York mold of what you think the New York mold is because it really isn't. But it was, that, that helped me out a lot here when I, when I first moved up and I was falling into that like weird trap of doing what you think you should rather than just doing what, what you feel works. Yeah, and, and, and that's, I guess, where, like, someone like Emo Phillips comes into play, is, like, I, I once messaged Mark Marin on Twitter. Oh. Because Mark Marin had never put on, he was putting on all these bands, 
members. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, hey, yeah. man, I love that you're putting all these bands on, but I think you forgot some of the greats. Yeah. Comedians, and I go, you. I'm like, for one, you forgot Emo Phillips, and he messaged me back, and he told me, he goes, Emo, I want Emo on, but Emo refuses the not coming character. Oh, well, that was really in unison. <laughs> but <laughs> did but, you see the uh, comedians of cars getting coffee with Miranda Sings? Yeah, yeah. Where was well, like, she's like a YouTube. She did, she did her whole character the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I can't, I, like, it was kind of annoying to me. I'm not that big into that character. But then, literally, almost as if like an Avengers end scene, like a Marvel end scene. Yes. Like it showed her taking off the makeup and she was discussing the character and stuff. And I was like, this is fucking interesting. And that was way more interesting. And then the fucking thing ended. I was like, oh no. I would have rather watched the entire episode of her. They could have done the reverse, done like a couple minutes of her as the character, yeah. as a, like a sketch, a little five minute, whatever, a little three minute sketch. Even and if it was half and half. Even then, I would. I wanted to hear more about that. If you're known as a character, like that, that concept of and she even she was talking about it. It's like, when is this girl gonna get pregnant, or what happens when this girl gets too old to be that. Yeah, young, you know what I mean, or the character. Well, like uh, to that point about Emo Phillips, like, did you see him at on, uh, at midnight? Uh, I haven't seen. Him. I saw it clips a, of it. It was, uh, you know, at midnight. Three comedians, and they're usually pretty good comedians. It's always a fun show, and it was like Emo and like two others, and the other two were like getting the answers in, boom, boom, and they were racking up the points. But like whenever Emo, he was in that character, so he couldn't like buzz really fast, so yeah. he would only do. One for every five of theirs, but his were always like above and beyond. Yeah, if it's always that like laughter per minute versus like big punch. His well, was always the big punch, and that was the last for a minute. But I was like, fuck, dude, you're the funniest. Well, let's do because we're already diving way into the hero talk. But let's do uh, real, real quick. Do you have any hero news that you want? Hero news. Hero news. Uh, Jessica Jones is coming out. That's pretty good. We they, got, they have uh, a release date for Jessica Jones. Yeah, they have a release date for Jessica Jones. It's, uh... Eh, I forgot the date. But anyway, I want to get to the emo folks because really... I know, I know. Uh, oh, they're, uh, they're kind of doing like a soft reboot of Doctor Strange in the in the Marvel comic books. Right. Uh, which I think is just to get everybody who's excited for Benedict Cumberbatch to be Doctor Strange. I think they're kind of going to revamp it towards his character. And maybe... Uh, I oh, is he going to play that autistic guy again? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange. Did you see him in uh, Imitation Games? Where no. I was like, oh, Sherlock's back. Yeah. <laughs> With AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things, like, he was so good in Sherlock, but it's like, is he playing Sherlock in everything? Like, so, I mean, even, uh, even that fucking Smaug... Uh, had some Sherlockish, but it's but it's Benedict Cumberbatch playing the same dude. Isn't in a lot it of his things. cadence? Sometimes it's like yeah. I think we're giving yeah. him a hard time. We don't ever give Ma- we don't like go Matthew McConaughey stop being well, Texan. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I thought it was always like when it comes to like people who are in movies. There's movie stars and actors. Like to me, like Gary Oldman, I think is an actor. Yeah, because you're like you forget that that's Gary Oldman. But then you're like, oh, that's Tom Cruise. That's Harrison Ford. That's Brad Pitt. Like, I don't ever think of them as anything other than who they are in the tabloids. But, like, Gary Oldman, I'm like, eh, fucking Gary you, Oldman. You believe, well, you know what? Brad Pitt's a good actor. Tom Cruise is a good actor. 
you know, they've they've been forced into those positions. Benedict Cumberbatch is starting to get forced into that kind of window. Uh, the thing with Doctor Strange is that I was on when I was on set uh, working on something recently. I was talking to this guy, and he was like, "They uh, Marvel whitewashes a lot of their characters because they all come from like the fifties and sixties, yeah, and, yeah. and they're all rooted in this kind of culture that didn't, you know." Where the like all the Asian characters were kung fu guys and like yeah, Iron yeah. Fist, but Iron Fist is a white guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Iron Fist is a blonde haired blue eyed white guy from some mystical city, yeah. not in Asia or whatever, something. And uh, he's a white guy. So and then they made um, the ancient one. They oh made, yeah, she's uh, gonna be Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, who's so, the whitest white that ever whited? Yeah, she's the ultimate white. She's she's you know, and it's. It, she's. I think she's a great actress. And she's going to do great for whatever the role is. But he was. He's, he was an Asian guy. He was pissed that there's. Um, Sorry, we just dropped some booze. Yeah, <laughs> like a, gallons of alcohol in it. Um, but uh, but so he was kind of upset at the process they're taking with it. They're probably going to do a little of the revamping in the Doctor Strange comic book to kind of make the characters make a little more sense. Yeah. But also the guy was saying, but you know, the Asian eyes, the the the. The Asian eyes. Yeah, the, oh. That's terrible. But oh, I, I couldn't Jesus. think of the, the right word. But like racist. Ugh. Yeah. Who are you, the, fucking Mickey Rooney from Breakfast at Tiffany's? Oh. <laughs> Is that his name, Mickey Rooney? Right. All right. Cool. Real uh, burn because you, yeah. <laughs> take, Real. Take that, nineteen sixties Mike. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think it's interesting. I I think it's going to be cool. It's, you know, but I'm sure there's people going to have problems with everything. Yeah. Someone's going to be mad at something at some time. Yeah, the, have you ever? There's a uh, cartoon that was made off of Doctor Strange on. Uh, I think it's on Netflix actually, but it's fucking great. Yeah, I, 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 I see it all the time. Take a watch. Um, next what? we got is uh, the Wasp is been confirmed to be an Ant Man. To what extent? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, Janet Van Dyne, who uh, is married to Hank Pym, uh, but Hank in the movie Hank Pym was an old guy, and uh, I guess Hank Pym was an Ant Man in the '60s, mm-hmm. and now he's passing off to Scott Lang in the present day. Uh, so nobody knew if Janet Van Dyne was going to be in there as the Wasp, and they said, uh, they did like a soft confirmation, they said if I confirmed it, it would be full of spoilers. So a lot of people are like, did she die? Is, did she fake her death? Well, they're saying that, also that Haley Atwell is going to be in it. Yeah, well, so I think she's, she's, she's confirmed to be, to be in it. Yes. So it definitely sounds like there's going to be some sort of flashback. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to get at. So if there's going to be a lot of that bounce, like... Maybe it's going to be brief, super quick time shift, but she is in there, so they have they're going to reference it. It's going to tie into the Agent Carter stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll see. Oh, what we got is the Miles Morales. They read their yeah, Marvel yeah. Comics doing Miles. That's the thing. A lot of people are upset because he's coming out in a in a, in a comic book called just called Spider Man, and it's going to be Spider Man starring Mar- Miles Morales as right. the as the main character. But they still have Amazing Spider Man, which is the the always been the flagship of the Spider-Man, and that's still going to be Peter Parker, or we assume it's going to be Peter Parker. Right. It's going to be a different Spider-Man than Spider-Man with Miles Morales. So, uh, but I think it's good. I like yeah, it. I'm Miles all for great it. Character. It is a great character, and and I and they 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 went took back Asa Butterfield or whatever his name is that he's not going to be Spider-Man. He's not going to be Spider-Man. So who knows? Who knows what's happening over there? There's a big. Uh, I guess it's between Sony and Marvel having their first big dispute as partners. Over who's going to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. So, uh, that's good. Hero News. Uh, knock that out. And then, Hero News! So now we can, get, we can get back to what we kind of already started. Uh, <laughs> so, 
Uh, Lucas, you you brought up Emo Phillips. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Emo Phillips? Uh, the best joke writer, maybe, yes. maybe, maybe alive at the moment. So solid, like, like, but, but, clear joke, like with setup, punch, like traditional joke structure. Yeah, and he was also he was very. Uh, I think he's one of those comedians that's the epitome of the left turn comic. Yes, yes. Where it was always like you you hear the second part and you go, I have to think back to what the first part was because now that changes fucking everything. Right, the the surprise punchline of the, the shock, of, or I don't even know what you, what you would call it, but it's essentially just the punch that the misdirect. You know. Yeah, like he did one was uh, I got a couple quotes here from Will Up, which is uh, a computer once beat me at chess. But it was no match for me at kickboxing. Right, yeah. And it's just like, the fucking second part is so great. It's the A plus B equals C, classic setup punch. Right. And it's the left turn, the misdirect. Oh, Jesus, so good. When did you first start getting into emo? Or, like... Alright. So, I'm in Florida. I'm working the road. And people would just come up to me, because I have this weird voice. Right. And they would just tell me who I was like. <laughs> Which is the thing, like every comedian gets. You know, it's the worst, of. right? But instead, most people get reminded of like a, the most famous comedian, yeah, right. <laughs> and to me, it was always it was it was Emo Phillips, it was Howie Mandel, right, it, and it was Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. those are the all the, of the era unique voices, yeah, yes, yeah. to be compared to. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you sound you sound weird. You sound that? stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thing is like emo always played that like the fake dumb guy he was obviously if, if you really look at his body of work he's so fucking intelligent but he always played the dumb guy kind of like the smothers brothers it was always the you know the one right the straight man and then the yeah but like emo like, was just the, the the silly dumb guy all by himself that he had nobody to bounce off of and but he did have those extreme mannerisms you know like the, the the voice was also there but he's also physically on stage yes. really kind of gangly moving around and you know kind of making a spectacle of what he was doing I think a lot of that also had to do with his because he is a shorter joke writer you know that, that like to fill space really well I the thing that I that you like really learn some, like especially when you write jokes in that format is if you see him just like I'm like just like a regular person People aren't going to get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he he had to inc- stretch the time. Yeah. He had to stretch the time for people to get it. Yeah. And that's why he had to take, like, step over the stool. Yeah. And that's yeah, more, yeah, yeah. Right. And that's why he had to toss his hair back four times between, like, words. And that's why, like, he... <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like all that stuff is so important. Yeah. if he didn't do that, you would, you would go... Oh, okay. that's a joke, I guess. Uh, right. It would, it would, it, it's all about... Because that's one of the things that I, I guess people don't realize watching one-liners is the presentation is a huge part of that that effort, that, that character, yeah. quote-unquote. You know, that, that, Whether that, it be that Mitch voice. Hedberg with the stoner kind of guy attitude yes. or Stephen Wright, very droll, or Dimitri Martin. But yeah, the, the, I think Emo Phillips is a great representation of... People always argue, like, is it 60% writing, 40% performance? But he's an example where it's like, it's 100% of both. You just do both right. and make them meld together seamlessly. But he could, the thing is, if he didn't perform the bits the way he performed them, they wouldn't work. Is the writing better than his performance? Sure, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, but... 
without the material, there's no way that performance would even work. Yeah, that's true, too. You know what's weird, too, is, like, I noticed a lot of, uh, like, uh, like, he, when I think of alternative comedy, he's one of the guys that comes to mind. Yeah. Like, he was doing shit, he was a proto-hipster, if you want to call him that. Like, any of the hipster comics I see nowadays are, like, they get on stage and sometimes they just act weird, and you're like, it's not enough just to act weird. You need to have that writing behind it to push you forward. Uh, right. It's got, yeah, it's got, uh, like, if you look at Steve Martin, who's, you know, a legend of comedy and everything, like, you look at Steve Martin and you go, oh, that guy's weird, but he's obviously a normal guy. But, like, you look at Emo Phillips and you're like, there's something wrong with that guy, but he's yeah. hilarious. The, the, it always reminds me of whenever you see something like that, people m- mimicking someone... Uh, it reminds me of this thing that it was about Lucille Ball. It was about like when the I Love Lucy show when they would get her to do jobs. Like one of the big things, like each episode, to, they would get her to do something that involved a physical activity because she was really good at mimicking a piece of it. She didn't like the whole chocolate, you know, the whole the conveyor yeah, belt yeah, yeah. thing. She was really good at mimicking the motion. She had no idea what she was actually doing, but she could like mimic it in a funny way. So when you see people trying to, like, she would pick up on like one thing. And harp on that. When someone does an impression, like you hear Kevin Pollock talking about doing an impression, like you find that one bit of that other person that you can kind of own, and then you can go from there. And it doesn't sound exactly like that person, like uh, Dana Dana Carvey's George Bush impression. Yeah, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't sound like him anymore, but everybody's like, oh, right, that's George Bush. So let me ask you this, because somebody says to you while you're on the road or whatever, somebody says, you sound like Emo Phillips, then you go watch Emo Phillips do you then try to separate yourself from what Emo Phillips sounds like, or do you, in a way, kind of, like, adapt to that style, or do you take uh, influence from that? It's, Once you find out that this, you sound like this person. Well, the thing is, when you sound like, like a comedian, and then someone points it out, it's very shocking. Yeah. Because you don't think of it in those terms. Well, I didn't... I didn't watch Emo Phillips to copy. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, didn't yeah. wa- I didn't ever heard of him before. Yeah. And so when I went... And then I watched him, and I didn't really find myself like him. But, like, there's there's a, a comedian someone just sent me a clip of, and they sound exactly like me. Oh, really? Yeah, And but he's not he's not as established, and he lives in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe he's more established than me. Maybe. In San Francisco. In, yeah. Over on the other coast. Yeah. But it's weird. His he sounds voice. that like that similar. Oh, if you didn't look, you would just think I was telling not as good a jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, who, who's uh, Big J Okerson? Yeah, yeah. Him and David Tell had that issue, where because they're both from Philly and they're both you know they both came up at different times, but people were always telling Big J that he was oh you're doing a tell, and then one day he was he was like hey listen to me do I sound like you or whatever to to David Tell and then that they, he's like just do it do what you do you tell a completely different style of jokes, um, but there was there's that moment of pe- other people will assume that either you're copying that other guy or that other guy is copying yeah, you yeah. depending on where they're coming from you know this is my thing comics that copy other comedians in the beginning are usually better comedians because they're learning the right the flow. Because they're learning how to kill. Yeah. A lot of times, I, I, I've been wanted, I watch a lot of comedy, and what I see is a lot of people go, I'm going to create my own unique style. But when you create your own unique style, in general, you don't know how to kill. Because you don't know how that unique style kills. But if right. you s- copy a person's essence, like if you copy... Like, <laughs> like Dan Cook's... Dan Cook's, Cook's essence. Essence. If you copy a person's essence for a little bit, 
you'll figure out how to kill in that essence and that person right. for that person. You know, it's and funny. Steve Byrne doesn't sound anything like Dan Cook anymore. Like nothing. Like he goes on stage in a suit. Doesn't yeah. So that actually supports your point that he like yeah. learned how to kill as Dan Cook and then like brought out his true character. Right. Which is perfect. To be honest, you know, maybe you shouldn't do it when you're already successful, but... Yeah. You do it when no one's watching. Right. Like, when I first came out, like, I was, like, I was, like, 18, and I was, like, very energetic, and I was young, and somewhat attractive at the time, so then, like, everybody was, like... (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But... A lot has changed. Uh, But, like, everybody was, like, ah, you sound like Dan Cook. And I was, like, I looked back at my jokes, and I was, like, I I sounded nothing like Dan Cook. But there were still, like, people... And I had no idea what Dan Cook was at the time, but it was still, like, people, like, just, like, associating... It's like the everything tastes like chicken. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm going to describe this unique flavor you've never tasted before. It's just such a lazy description of, like, yeah, it, it tastes like chicken. It's also people... Ah, you sound like Emo Phillips. You sound like David Tell. You sound like whatever. For someone to come up to you and say you sound like Emo Phillips, that person has to know what Emo Phillips sounds like. Right. Usually, most people's exposure to comedy is not as in-depth as uh, as other comics. You know, like, you watch a lot of comedy. I watch a lot of comedy. And then you get, like, the average person just knows who's big. So everyone's like, oh, you're like Louis? Or, oh, you're like Seinfeld? Yeah. Well, that's the difference like, no. about The Road, though. The yeah. Road, you get these guys, and they've been going to that comedy club at that place yeah. for the last 25 years. They have seen some of Everybody, the greats. Yeah. And they and they and they're like Emo Phillips is my favorite comedian that I've seen. Like that's who people talk about the yeah, old yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They talk about Kenny Schultz and stuff. Like they talk about <laughs> talk about like about like about like you know like you know what I mean? They talk about weird guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? They talk about these weird guys that are road yeah, dogs yeah. that are killers. They're just killers. Yeah. They just never got the boom sitcom Dude, it's like Tony Woods or like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, oh, these guys are fucking great. Right. Like, t- Emo doesn't have a house. He doesn't live anywhere. He is on the road every single week of every... He doesn't is it ha- true? He doesn't have a house? Mm-hmm. He has, he has a P.O. box where his stuff comes. Oh, man. He probably has like his, ma- like, sent to his manager. Yeah, or wherever that P.O. Oh, box is. Wherever that is. And him and his wife... Uh, just travel around? Yeah, who's also a very funny comedian. He used to be married to Judy Tenuto. He's not, I, I, he's not like, anymore? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not. But yeah, Judy Tenuto, he was married to, you know, Judy Tenuto? With yeah, the, with the accordion. The accordion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, was, um, I remember that was like the era of Comedy Central where I first started paying attention. Where it was just like episodes of Whose Lines It Anyway, the British version. Yeah. And then like a lot of weird stand-up specials from like Boom Comics that were not new. Like the specials weren't new. Yeah, yeah. So you would see like the same special like pop up every week or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there was Gallagher on there. Gallagher? Like four specials they would They would loop. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that when I was was, was, like young. And And they came out with like Premium Blend and it was like... The sh- all the showcase shows. Yeah, like all the showcase shows were always like headliners. The they were yeah. it was like it'd be like Gabriel Iglesias and Mark Marin and Louis C.K. and like all these major comedians. Yeah. And then like after a while they're like, Hey, has anybody got five minutes? <laughs> oh, Andy Samberg, you got five? Are you not an actual stand up? Uh, whatever, come on yeah, out. Come Let's up go. and do something. Yeah, the the but there was a time where you would just see these uh, and then they would rebroadcast HBO specials or something like that. Yeah, I remember yeah, they would show like the comedy, the half hour comedy hour or whatever yeah, it was called. Yeah, yeah. And they would, they would, I remember, and you would see like a bunch of these co- comics where 
nowadays no one would know who they are, but they, at the time that's all that was on Comedy Central. That's one of the things. Like back in the day, like Emo Phillips was like, like everybody. If you ask any comedian now who Emo Phillips is, they go, "Oh, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time." Right. But if you ask a, an ordinary person, they'll be like, "What? Who's an, is em, that a band? Emo, yeah, Emo right. band." Right. Yeah. But he was on Letterman fifteen times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like, and that was like in a couple of years. It like they had him four times a year or something. Yeah. He uh, he was also in. Uh, he's a big uh, friend with uh, uh, Weird Al. He was in uh, right. UHF. He was yeah. in the Weird Al show. Uh, he did a bunch of shit. He was in Daria. Yeah, he, Dr. Katz. That was one oh, of the original. Right. Yeah, yeah. One of the original uh, Comedy Central shows was Dr. Katz. That's right. Uh, is it a space ghost, coast to coast? He, he was a voice on that. He was a voice on that too. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's like in every early begin, like of the comedy that I started growing up on. Right. He was like I didn't know who he was. Yeah. But I but I did when I went and eventually Googled him. I was yeah. like, oh, he's the guy. He's the voice actor in all the cartoons I watch. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I mean. What were you? Because we were talking about this before. What were you talking about the Meet the Parents thing? Oh yeah, he uh, he was a producer and I think writer of the original Meet the Parents from like the early nineties. It was like a short film, independent film, and then it was like Universal Warner Brothers saw it and they bought out the rights to it and they rewrote it into bigger movies and they got it Ben Stiller to be cast, you know, that role, whatever. But it was like, oh, like he was he made one of the he was the inspiration for one of the greatest. Movies of the 2000s or whatever. Whatever came out, because it was huge, it was a huge movie. But he wrote, I guess, a lot, he's written a bunch of different things, no? Doesn't he write on a bunch of different shows? I don't know if he writes on a bunch of shows. Like, he, he writes, the, that, the thing is, this is the key of, of Emo, is Emo is 100% committed to the character. Yeah. So uh-huh. he will not, not do the character. So if he's, he on, if he's on a show, he's doing Emo on that show. Right. right. Man, that's so interesting, because it does bring up a lot of the, like, do you own the character, at what point does the air, the character own you, then? Does he doing that on purpose? Would he want to, is, he, is it because he feels he has to? I would love, that, and that's why I wanted a Marin, and I wanted him to be interviewed. Yeah, yeah. But, because I really want to know why he, in, in theory, why he shot himself in the foot. Yeah. Why he got kicked off Letterman. Yeah. Did he get he got kicked He's off? He's the there? only comedian I think of all time to Letterman to stop performing while on air. He would not tell that's I don't know that story. It's lore. I've I've been looking for the video and clip for a long time and I can't wow. figure it out find it. But basically there's a Letterman episode where he's the closing comedian, like right. at the uh-huh. end, and he's not connecting, which his act is for some people will oh, not yeah. connect it is yeah. dark it is not there and he is doing it and then all of a sudden Letterman had to go on and be like thank you wow and then he never was back on she, oh, that's one bad set man wow that's right. weird one bad second shit really now I want to see that I know and I can't find it well they took down all the Dave Letterman's uh, shows off, off of, of CBS uh, YouTube off of CBS cause he cause Worldwide Pants that was part of his deal when he moved over to CBS. Was he owns all the episodes? Oh, kind of like Johnny Carson. Used owns so he all this was when, but when he wasn't when he was on late night when he was oh, on, was that on late, late night or was it on the late show on the CBS show? I have no idea which oh, wow. one it is. It's probably the older version. It's probably the, the NBC show, right? That's the thing too. Like when Letterman started out, he like over a while he kind of fit into that classic 
talk show style about like when Letterman started out he was like I'm with the weirdest people I can find yeah he was like get me emo get me uh, people who have uh, dog tricks or whatever it was right 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 the stupid human tricks and all that stuff I mean damn that now I want to see how I bad it was I don't think it was probably bad I just yeah you, we've all been there where yeah. we have an act and it kills probably 90% of the time yeah but if a joke the first joke doesn't hit then we can't. We yeah. would have to save it. That's the thing. And you can't save it live. That's yeah. the thing about like character comedians is like if if it's like you just if you're a straight stand up and you go up like Jerry Seinfeld if he does a joke and it doesn't work oh it just goes on the next joke the next joke will work but when you're a character comedian you get on stage and they go yeah we don't like you yeah they care we it's just like comedy don't music like what you're doing like when someone does comedy music if they're not on board within the first couple minutes of that a couple seconds of that song. That song is going to be uncomfortable for the yeah. full duration of that song. <laughs> there was a, and there was, he's singing basically. Yeah, like, the cadence he's doing is right? just yeah. the song, super rehearsed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone can do the emo, but it doesn't sound like emo. That just reminds me of a story. When uh, one time I was hosting the open mic at the Palm Beach Improv, and uh, there was a sketch group was going to go on. They're going to do two sketches. And the first... I'm already, I'm already cringing. Oh, I'm so already good. cringing. So it was like, each sketch was five minutes, and they have comics before, and comics in the middle, and comics after. So the first sketch they do just eats shit totally horribly. It's just, like, to the point where I was like, can they go back on? Like, can we just not have them go back on? And they're like, man, things are going on. So then more comics came on. And then, I'm not going to say the name of the actual sketch group. It's called ABC Comedy. And so... Uh, I go, ladies and gentlemen, back again, ABC Comedy, and the whole audience just goes, oh, wow. And the best part, I swear to God, the sketch they were doing was they were all dressed as babies, so they were all grown people wearing diapers and have bows in their hair, and they all just kind of like slumped their shoulders and walked up to the stage, and nobody wanted to see it. And that's kind of the same thing where it's like, if they don't like it, they're not gonna fucking want the rest of it. The name wasn't ABC. That was a filler name. No, that was a filler. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna name them, but they were called ABC. No, just, Jesus, just a XYZ comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, ouch. Yeah, man. Yeah. Ugh. 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 Yeah, emo's great because emo was uh his character. Like they always there's that cliched line where they say like there's a line between brilliance and insanity. Yeah. Like emo literally skips across that line where it's like sometimes you're like this is yeah. way too weird and then it's like oh no, no it's, it's great I love this this is, this is we're suddenly you're on board shit. yeah it's smart I feel like that's what emo if, if you're gonna like look at my act the most it is it, yeah. it, it, it tells me I should take risks yes right. it's all about taking risks cause he is risking so much he is risking that the uh, the audience is intelligent enough to get the what the joke is, yeah, yeah, and the content usually is incredibly dark. It's right. usually about him hating himself. It's about cutting. It's about his dead parents. It's about it's really dark though, things. He doesn't curse. He never curses, but he no. always talks about the most like yeah, disgusting yeah. shit. Yeah, like uh, before the before coming here to record, I was I was looking at the he did the he did it just for laughs in '95. And he was talking so about, good. It's it was like the first hit at the top YouTube. You type in email Phillips is like the first one, and it, it, like it's just so straightforward, like set up punch, set up, and the audience is just getting drilled with these yes. jokes, just drilled. Yes. It's it's fun to watch when someone does that. But he was saying like 
He was talking about how, like, it was a lot of that just brilliant left turn, just really well-constructed surprise like, of uh, e- with each joke. This is why some mornings it just doesn't seem worth it to gnaw through the leather straps. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, whoa, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. Or uh, you don't appreciate a lot of stuff in school until you get older. Little things like being spanked every day by a middle-aged woman. Stuff you pay good money for later in life. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's completely... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and in his... Because here's the thing, you're saying it like yeah, yeah. that. You're reading it, but for him to perform that, you could you could picture the whole audience going, yeah. what, what the fuck is happening? Right. Well, you went through transitions, um, in like we were talking about earlier, where you went through in your presentation. I guess I don't want to say your voice, because I don't want, I don't want it to be just an auditory thing. Yeah. Just in the way that you were putting yourself out there. The first time... These are the first couple months I think I saw Lucas, he, which I actually think was pretty funny. Was he would go on stage with puppets on his hands, but then he would never talk about the puppets. Jeez. It's like he used the puppets like gloves. Like one was a dragon, the other was something else. But it was just like the whole audience was like, "What the fuck? When's he gonna talk about the puppets?" Yeah. He just never talked about the puppets. That's so fucking funny to me. But I can guarantee you, people in the audience were like, "What the fuck is this guy doing with puppets?" Right. And then when you think about like later on when I was like, "I want." host the improv <laughs> yeah yeah get the guy with the puppets to come and shake everyone's hands yeah you know? tell them tell us about our drink special puppet guy you know <laughs> and that's one of the things too like along with emo Phillips is like like you said you loved it i loved it we think puppets on the hands is hilarious and we also think emo phillips is hilarious and i'm sure if you cut out a piece of the pie there would be 10 20 percent of the people who saw that would be like yo this is fucking great yeah but the rest of them is like i'm not gonna pay money to see this crazy emo phillips guy again this insane person but the people who are in that 10 20 percent whatever are like i will pay money every time i will go five cities away from me to see this guy because right. he is great right so that I like I don't like the the term alternative comedy because it's more I, I I start to think start to think of it as like niche comedy, where you go you find your audience and then you just drill them you know you just grow this kind of it's like a indie bands or or like the people who follow Fish around and shit like right. that you know but emo is not like that emo is not like emo is a road dog yeah there is no way that emo is able to not kill. For every audience, no matter how it's booked. Yeah. You know, if it's booked with a weird bachelorette party, he's doing it. You know what That, I mean? to me, oh my god. <laughs> Which is an amazing <laughs> skill to have. That's right. that's another kind of talent to have, aside from, like, the comedy performance, the comedy writing. Like, the ability to, to, to find any group and make them laugh, that's a whole other skill to have. Yeah, to, to immediately break down whatever social structure they yeah. have so that you can infiltrate it. That's not... Like when, and that's the worst when you have a, a group of par- people partying at a comedy club, yeah. which makes zero sense to any everyone but them. Like they're like flashing penises on their heads. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah like, uh, what the fuck? Are you, like, why would you come to a place where your right. job is to sh- sit down and be quiet? <laughs> like you're go, you're the only thing we want you to do is to sit down and pay attention. Right. That's the exact opposite of what you're trying to accomplish at that point. But that, but he's able to do that, and he's yeah. weird, and he's not a normal comedian, and he's not normal to get along with. I'm sure he does radio in every radio interview. He's in character. Do you have you seen him ever in person? Live? I haven't. I really want to, but he never comes to New York because probably no one pays him here. <laughs> mm, That's enough. probably true. I bet Midwestern people like love him. I would guess so. Just the bizarre zaniness of him. 
I think they like, were by contrast to to their like button down. Yeah. Ah, look at this fool, this goofy guy. But meanwhile, they don't realize how actually intelligent this guy is. I'm sure there's a dynamic of that. You know, I I feel like if we give him five more years, maybe five, ten more years. If he stays, if he's alive, right? You know what I mean? He's old. He's getting older now. Yeah. He might have a reemergence. He is. I mean, recently, I mean, he's been on At Midnight, which is one of the most popular TV shows for comedy right now. He's been on a bunch of podcasts and stuff like that, but. Yeah, I think he's coming back, man. But but, but it, a reemergence in the sense of like him getting a special. Yeah. Like I thought he might. I in my mind this wow, year I thought be... he, he might have gone in a Comedy Central per, like half hour. I would I would say not even Comedy Central. I would might even I would hope for him to go to like Netflix or something. Yeah, Netflix is becoming the new kind sure. of go to spot yeah. wherever it is. I, I I mean it's interesting to think about because there's there's that whole spectrum of. Um, well, I mean, like the Chris Hardwick nerdist dynamic of Empire. yeah, that whole industry nerdist industries or whatever you want to call it. But the whole thing of like comedy nerds, like being a comedy nerd, like we were talking about everything being referential, like like the new comedy wave is like, hey, you guys remember, et cetera, et cetera. But Emo Phillips is of that era of comedy development. Like, uh, the actual, like, comedy industry blew up, you know? Like, so he's of that era, so he's like, yeah, remember when I did this thing? Like, it could be entirely self-referential, and people would, like, still acknowledge The comedy nerds would at least be I th- I think another reason why I think Emo is poised to, I don't know if you want, don't call it a comeback. Yeah. But uh, poised to come back is, uh, like, something Judd Apatow said the other day, which is every comedian he sees get on stage is, like, snarky. Right. And, like, that Louis C.K. style kind of comedy. And he said there's no more Andy Kaufman's. And it's like, yo, like, if Emo was up there, like, he's going to be different from everybody else. And that's... Emo's Andy Kaufman-esque in that one character. I think Judd Apatow was referring to, like, the new batch. The trier, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think if if Emo gets up there, he's going to separate himself. He's going to be a unique one. And that's, like, that that hipster mentality of, like, I want to be the odd one out. Like emo He's is doing it without trying. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. If if he gets it, it will be horrible. You know, it right. will be horrible for us. You know, like because <laughs> we will then have imitators and yeah. uh Well, there's sometimes where I, I see people getting up at these open mics here, here in the city, and then you 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 hear them, man, just desperate for something that works. Mm-hmm. And the, so, like, you'll see them, some people you'll see do a voice. Then the, there's some people that you can, that, like, when you talk to them afterwards, you're like, oh, that's just how they are. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then that, to me, is much more important than when someone gets off stage and then they're talking to you normally and you're like, what? oh, man, you, that was the thing that you were doing, trying to do? Well, Lucas was talking about that before. Like, L- Lucas talks like that. Yeah. Like, Lucas he, he's, had, he's had a weird life. Yeah. And that weird life has, has shaped his voice. Right. <laughs> yeah. I like has shaped his voice. I think I've always sound dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I've sounded dumb for a long time. I was born that sounding stupid. Yeah. <laughs> My cries were so dumb, you yeah. guys. But my mom said I didn't cry because it was obnoxious to me. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Somebody shoot that thing off. <laughs> or it hurt, it's like you heard yourself in the baby monitor. You're like, oh, my God, is that what I sound like? <laughs> <laughs> Never again. I, I had a speech pathology, and that's probably the major reason why I'm okay. Oh, there you go. Legitimately? Mm-hmm. Your speech? So what did you, what did you do? Like, uh, Wukas wine wicks, wemma wine wallies, flushes we. 
What? That's I the way I used to talk. You used to. That was genuinely how you. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that is weird. And now it's Lucas Lion licks lemon lime lollies. Oh, wow. I, used to, I used to say Yahi Pops because I was deaf when I was a kid, so I gotta get that. We were too poor for that, so my mom just like made me sing the lollipop song over and over again. Well, yeah. Speech pathology is like, no, sit in front of this no, television. I, <laughs> you, you are Sesame Street like the rest of us. No, I, I, my parents, um, they took me to the college. Uh, so I had students yes. teaching me. <laughs> kind of like barber school. Right, but, like, right, but they had a black window. It was and wow. and they would the teachers or other students would watch through the window wow. me get taught. So they were panicking. I was panicking. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad because I just want to be fixed. I don't like. That's the thing. Is like I want to be fixed the like whole time. Like you knew you were different. You knew it was wrong. Well, when people do imitations of you to your face. Oh shit! How old were you in this store? Seven. Oh shit! Seven, seven or Oh, I did it for seven years, six what? years. Really? Whoa! So you were thirteen, fourteen. So I was like, yeah, until right about right before going to high school. Wow. Shit! When you went to high school, did you still have like uh, residuals of the yaya gaga? No, I sounded fine. I just kind of sound drunk. <laughs> Is that this is? Do you try? Okay, this is curious for me because I don't, I don't, because people tell me I have a Miami accent, but I don't hear it. Do you actively try and speak a certain to to avoid that still, or is it just natu- natural to you now? All right. When what happen? Like what happens to me is I because I was a I had a really good reading comprehension when mm-hmm. I was younger. I learned a lot of words that don't use the letters I don't ah, say. Interesting. Which sometimes comes out making me sound very condescending. <laughs> yes. And I belittling. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not meaning it usually. I'm just trying not to say the word I don't can't say. Like instead of saying yellow, you say amber? Boom. Exactly. Look at this amber yeah. banana. I was, ba- I was baffled or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, what? <laughs> That's funny. I think you mistook uh, what I just oh, said. Oh, right. Yeah. Now I'm using these. Like I'm like now I'm being more condescending while I'm being condescending. <laughs> yeah. You know. That's an interesting because like now you do stand up and like that involves all speech. Like that's all speech. I mean, yeah, you perform yeah. aspect, but it's like. That, your words are very important to you in stand-up. So while you're on stage, do, like, does that still kick in? Like, And I think it's so important, in which I bet you that's... Or did that draw you to stand-up in the first place? Well, I got told by this teacher when I was really young, uh, she goes, well, you're never going to be... She goes, you're going to probably be a great doctor, you're going to be a great lawyer, you know, you're probably never going to be a paid public speaker. No! <laughs> and I'm really defiant and angry. And... Uh, <laughs> And so that was mostly it. Um, You're literally like, "Fuck you, doctor." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, had a vengeance. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so I spent a lot of time like figuring it out. Wow, doing did you, plays. Did you ever do like speech and debate and stuff like that, or plays? I, or? I, I did plays. I, I I wrote. I did this thing called National History Day, where I where I wrote a ten minute monologue. And then performed it. Yeah, ten minutes. Ten minutes of my own writing about civil war and like about history. Was it funny? No, not at all. Throwing civil war jokes. I should have. If if I had done Andy Kaufman or done something in that realm, I probably would have done much better. 
Because now yeah. I know the power of keeping people captivated right, yeah. yes. is having a little laughs here and there. And I didn't really get that then. Yeah. I was always the the guy who hung around with adults. The kid who hung around with the adults. Because, uh, I, I don't know, I just didn't, you know, I just hung, found that conversations to be more interesting. Yeah. Like, I would just, I would, like, all the kids, also, I was fat, so, like, all the kids would be running around and picking on me and shit, so I'd just be like, oh, I'm just gonna go hang over here inside where it's air-conditioned, and I don't sweat in front of you assholes making fun of me. And then, so, I would end up being around adults, picking up on what adults were talking about. Like, well, they weren't talking about Power Rangers, they weren't talking about Ninja Turtles, they were talking about real shit, using real words and stuff like that. So, later on, I can see totally how, how you... Like want that to be like the where you you were engaged by something, so now you want to engage people with the same kind of thing. And when you start out, uh, you're very bizarre. I mean, still, still to this day, like you're you're, you're going to be the most unique person on the show. I would say eighty percent of the time, you're the most unique person on the show. You're the one who stands out. So, did you when you found out about Emo Phillips, did you kind of be like, oh, that's my father? I never knew I have. You know, that that kind of mentality? Or did you click with him? Were you like, I need to know everything about this guy now? This is a thing I've always done. If I've liked a stand-up style, I've written down their joke and then cut it, the pieces, into sections where I go, this is setup, this is punchline, and then I write what it is. The best example was I go... is a Dan Mintz joke where he goes, you should never, um, when you're going to the airport, never keep your weed in your gun. Right. <laughs> all right. It's a great joke. But what I did is I went, all right, give him information that everyone knows. Uh-huh. Right. Right? And then I went, and then you go, give him all the information, and then I separate it into another section, and I go, what's a thing that you can't have in an airport? What's something that's worse yeah. in an airport right. than drugs? Yeah, yeah. So you, you dissected the joke where you said, why does this joke work? Right. And so Emo Phillips was a really fun one. Because they're really defined. Really defined. I go, yeah. and so you go, reason why this is fun, like, you go, this is the setup, and the reason why this is funny is he is revealing truths about himself. Right. And these truths are not things you want to tell anyone. Yeah. Or unexpected based on the setup. Well, it well the thing is he it's a it's if it's a it could, doesn't matter what reason why it's so interesting is it's not necessarily a lie, right, right, right. Like a lot of times when people do a left turn joke, it's a lie. Yeah, where you go, huh? That's a lie. But emo Phillips yeah, like, jokes, oh, that's so crazy. In general, yeah, are more of just the here's the truth. It might be real, right? Where you're all you're, where you have to accept that that could have possibly happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, one of his ones kind of goes along with that is, uh, once again, I can't do it in his Can voice. I do it? Can I do uh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you want to do it? Do the, the one at the bottom there. See the third one? I was at my lemonade stand. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to give the first glass away for free. And charge five dollars for the second glass. The refill contained the antidote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. And if I had read it first, that would have been even better because I could have figured out, you know, and be like, antidote. Yeah, so that was a perfect example. It's like, oh, he's just telling a story about him as a lemonade kid, and it's like, oh no. And poisoning people. He is evil. Yeah. Right. I'm all for that. See, I love comics who do things that I can't do. 
Yeah. So like I I I consider myself a storyteller. Like I I I basically I'm just wordy and I try to fit as much in as I can. So when I see someone so economical with their words and or so like precise with a joke that it I like that sort of thing. So I I watched a lot of Mitch Hedberg. I love Dimitri Martin. I love the one-liner guys that I I just don't think that way. So for me it's like a magic trick. It's like how are they doing it, man? How can they be so quick and funny in that short amount of time? Because I, I just can't do it that way. The interesting thing is the guy that is the most famous for storytelling is Mike Babigla. And if you ever hear his Montreal set, which is what made him famous, uh-huh. it is the most concise five minutes of one-liner jokes yeah, you're yeah. ever going to hear in your really? life. And it is one of my favorite sets just because you can wa- you watch that and then you watch his last F Netflix, you go... What? Yeah. Yeah, his last Netflix, like, I don't even call it a comedy special. No, it was, it was like a, a one-man show. It was like a one-man show. It, was, it reminded me of, like, John Leguizamo stuff. Yeah, it was entertaining as hell. Oh, it was so good. Completely so engaging. Good. I saw him in Orange is the New Black, Mark Yeah, I'm watching yeah, that now, killing too. killing it. I'm, I'm Amish in episode nine. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Uh, one of the things I love about Emo is that, like, he does... He is that guy that pushes the boundaries. Like, he is one of those comics that really, like... He broke out from the Catskills. I think when he started, still kind of at the end of the Catskills, it was going into the Jerry Seinfeld area. And he was nothing like any of that. Right. Like, I remember one of my favorite jokes to this day, it's the top five jokes I've ever heard uh, of any comedian was, uh, and it's like, I don't even think people will laugh at it, but it's like, here's my impression of a French existentialist seagull. Pourquoi? <laughs> it's just such a brilliantly stupid joke. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. A French existentialist seagull. Pourquoi? That's it. You, that's it, makes, it. That's it. It makes me wonder, the, like, the writing process of... He, he must have just started or heard someone say pourquoi. Yes. And then he's like, that he sounds like... A, yeah. Well, actually, that's what I find when I was analyzing how to write like them. Yeah. I go, what is a dark topic? I, and then I was like, sometimes you have to find the left turn before you can write the setup. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. You're like a mystery writer. When they find that, they, they start with who done it, and then they work backwards and throw right. shit in. And that's how you have to write. And that's, like, doesn't... I guess it depends on who the writer is. Right. Yeah. But, like... It's one way to do it. Right. But the way that... When I was dissecting Emo's bits in general, the way I could write a joke that sounded like Emo Phillips... Was... Was if I dissected it and found out the dark punchline mm-hmm. and then wrote the setup. Yeah. That's interesting. I, you know, uh, again, because I don't think in those short terms, like all all of my stuff starts from conversational mm-hmm. things. I'm pretty collaborative the way I write, so it's like that, all that shit sounds so foreign to me. It's so foreign to me to just sit and come up with this, some dark thing. It's not. It's, I'm usually like gra- snatching things. Yeah, around me. something happens, and then you take that thing that happened and you turn it into a bit. But right. like Lucas and like emo are the same way where the, you guys work backwards. You actually write. It's almost kind of like writing a joke for a roast, where you're like, I gotta make fun of Wendy Starling. Right. Well, it's exactly it. It's a joke. You're roasting yeah. life. You're no, roasting. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. I go. All right. Bad breath sucks. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. And then you tear down bad breath. Right. Right. You don't actually have a bad breath. No, you don't. Oh, good. Thank God. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know who's... uh, Andy Kindler 
has always been really good at like breaking shit down like that. Yeah. So, but he does it in a different way. It's not a one-liner thing. Um, and they're, they're, are they the same era? Andy Kindler and Emo Phillips? Uh, I think yes. Andy Kindler was just maybe like one gener- half a generation sooner than, right. than Andy Kindler. But they, it's amazing to me where that's why I find it so interesting. Where watching different er- eras of comedian do the same kind of things mm-hmm. because they they're very much so. You know, Andy Kindler breaking down something, just dissecting it to the detail, and then you get some. Which is very, you know, long and drawn out, but yeah, still yeah. funny every, you know, just punctuated with, like, just laugh, laugh, laugh. But then you get, like, the same concept done in three seconds. Yeah. You know? His, the guy that he was competing with was uh, Stephen, right? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's absolutely Emo's, and, and Stephen White, I guess, if, you're, if they were battling one. Yeah. But well, still, I think... In a way, they were, like, anti-matter of each other. They were, like, uh, on the opposite sides of the mirror. Because I think when... when Like, usually for uh, a left turn, uh, the traditional setup punch, there needs to be a building of tension, and then releasing of tension is the punchline. Like, that's what Stephen Wright does. Uh, my buddy has a trophy wife. In that first place, he built up the, the tension, and then released the tension. Whereas Emo Phillips was like... Yeah, I sold lemonade as a kid, and blah, 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 and then I poisoned them. And you're like, oh, shit, no, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah that was more surprise. It's the opposite. Yeah, like, he lulls you into this sense of, oh, I'm going to go on a fun trip. Oh, no, this is horrible. Right, it's two sides of the same coin where the, the joke is almost, Stephen Wright's joke is almost the most mundane. Right. How can you be the most mundane? And then Emo Phillips was, how can I fuck with this the most in, right. in the most absurd way. Like, yes, yes. So it's it's like the two sides of the same coin, though. Maybe it was... Maybe his contemporary is um, Dice, then. Oh. Because he was very... Dice used to do one-liners, too, before... He has one of my favorite jokes. The, um, he goes, if you're... He goes, dating's so rough. Hey, dating's so rough. You gotta go take a girl out. You gotta get her popcorn. You gotta go take her out to a movie. You gotta go take her out to dinner. Then you take her back to her place. She just gives you a peck on the cheek. I'm like, hey, for all that work, I could have stayed home with my wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> a classic, great joke. Yeah, but it's, it's not what you think of him. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not the, like, no, yeah. That's not the bit you think. If you ever see, like, Dice Clay actually does put on a, still to this day puts on a great show, but, like, a lot of people go, they're expecting nothing but hickory dickory dock, yeah. and it's, like, 43 minutes of actual jokes, and then, like, the last two minutes he's like, you guys want me to do the nursery rhymes, and everybody's like, yeah! yeah! Well, he's kind of another one that's victim of the character that he created because he kind of got really pigeonholed. Yeah. In in that whole misogynistic, like everybody hated his guts for being an asshole. Because like he married his high school sweetheart. Yeah, he's great in. Uh, Outrage. No, what was the Woody Allen movie? Blue, oh, Blue, 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 Blue Velvet. Velvet. I haven't seen that. I need to see oh, this. Great. Right. Oh man, he's really so good. good. But that's another thing where he's a, can play a character. Emo Phillips, if he's so committed to that character, yeah. It, it, I. I I guarantee you he must have been approached a million times to do different things and he's just he probably he had to have said that's no. a really good point if somebody was like I want you to act in Blue Jasmine and he was like it's gonna be this yeah it, it's this or nothing Weird Al probably capitalized on the fact that he's like oh I have a, pl- a spot to put that weird character because yeah. my shit's weird it's also funny because like when he was on the the Weird Al show he was on that was like a kid show yeah it was like Pee Wee's Playhouse and then Hema Phillips was like ah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. yeah, that would kill people. And I was like, oh, that's... I would not expect Emo Phillips to be... A... Because it's so... Because the presentation is so wacky. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting point of view because I don't consider... You, I would consider, like, absurdist. You have some moments, but you also tell stories. Like, you're, you're kind of... It's in your presentation that I can see the similarities. Yeah. Not like, so much in the writing, but in the fact that you're creating this, like, engaging... Vo- this engaging persona on stage. You're, I mean, it's who you are. Like, not, once you get to know you, you kind of are a less... Not a, not a, a toned-down version of that, but, like, on stage, you're, you're engaging with that energy. You know what I also love about Lucas is it kind of go. it's great about Lucas is he's able to write really quickly like whenever he does crowd work, if you do crowd work he's just like, hey, you look in nice shirt Magnum P.I. or whatever it is. Okay. But like Lucas like asks a that question. Is, that is a dated reference. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Right. Uh, he'll ask a question and then within the time it takes for that person to speak, he dissects what that person says. Yeah. Redoes it into a joke that still fits his character, and he's able to get a laugh right off of that's, that one. Like boom! Just that's like my that. first memory of you because I started after you guys, and and in South Florida, and then my first memory of you was literally a, a show. I can't remember where it was, but you just literally went through the crowd and just started asking people what they did. Yeah, he still does that. That's great. And me, and it was it was rapid fire. Just fuck with yes everyone. That was a game me and my my best friend uh, Dan Dakotas played because we would do Fosters every week. <laughs> and at Fosters, we you just Fosters man. That yeah. was great. It was disgusting, and there was six people that it, were there the last week. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted you to be funny. They wanted you to have. They wanted to laugh. They wanted yeah. to have a good time. But you didn't. They didn't know how. They didn't want to hear a joke that you've ever said before. Right, right. Yeah. So me and Dan came up with this game, and the game was you can tell only one, two jokes that the other can if that we had heard before. Yeah, yeah. Shit. So the entire set, I could only do two jokes that he had heard before. <laughs> and then so you just go because you get that's something that people forget that I I didn't realize in the South Florida scene that how much time you would get. When you would do like yeah, open yeah. mics and stuff like that, we talked about it before. Where up here you get like two minutes and you can't fuck around. There's none of that. There's none of that exploration of of time. Here down there, you could have you could do that. You know, you 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 had like seven minute spot at an open mic to just fuck around. Foster's, sometimes you'd have like fifteen, twenty. I, me and him would headline. It felt like every four months. As a headliner, you could get up to an hour, and it was beautiful. Oh man, you could st- you know stretch out and just take your time yeah. and fuck around and. And with that, that one was the best part about that for me and Dan's of, of the rules of our game was that one was you when you had your when you headlined there you had to do every joke. Yeah, <laughs> you do <laughs> every joke you tell you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you couldn't that that it was funny because you for the rest most of the time you couldn't do that. Yeah, you couldn't tell a joke anyone had ever heard before. Right. But then there. They were like, you can't goof off. This is, you have to crush. Because they paid the headliners. By a lot. A lot. Yeah, for, I mean, t- in New York scene, they paid a lot. It was like 100 and some odd bucks. 150 sometimes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Yeah, plus free bar tab. Yeah, it was a lot of money. It was it was normally 75. 75 to 100 bucks. Yeah. I think they paid Matt Zegan the most because he was the most like every, he would go up there and they would request him back. They were like, can you come back next week? 
and headline wow. again next week. Yeah, he was great because he would uh, he would go on stage with like a like a pitcher of beer, just drink it like it was like, like it was a regular mug. mug. Go to, but you like a Viking. No, but you great. would do so. But you would do the in that. I don't, in that character, but in the, in your kind of persona at the time, you were you would do rapid fire these this. It was just from practice, just from like just having done it. And now it's now because I'm doing tourists. Yeah, it's now it's a new animal. Yes, because now I have hundred things. You can't very 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 rarely does someone say something I don't know. I haven't heard before because you're building right. up that muscle even more now because right. you've done it to. That's so where are you from? Norway. All right. Oh, I went to go see him, uh, Lucas, to the Broadway Comedy Club, which is like right off the Times Square, right there. Right. So it was nothing but like tourists, and it actually I don't know if I told you the time. It reminded me I went to go see Jay Leno once. My uh, my father in law got me tickets to go see Jay Leno as a Christmas present, and I went to go see him at the Hard Rock. And the Hard Rock was cute, you know, fucking thousands of th- seats. And he was doing crowd work in this giant theater, and he would say, what do you do for a living? I'm a plumber. That's a shitty job. Blah, blah, blah. And he would, like, ask people what they did for a living, what kind of car they drove. And it was like, he already had the crowd work down like it was, like, part of his act. Like, he knew a response for whatever occupation you had, whatever car you drove, wherever city you were from. It was like, I got you. Do you incorporate that into your writing now? If if you riff something on stage that is solid, do you even consider that as a material or as material to bring back later? Um, very rarely. Rarely, I would imagine it's much more like muscle reflex. It's low hanging fruit. Uh, I have no shame when I do when I'm doing that. (laughs) I will say whatever I possibly can to win. To win, you know what I mean? Because that, that's the yeah. game. That was the game. Me and me and Dan were so competitive. Whatever it takes to win. We like that show. That show that you're talking about, where I rapid fired in Miami. I walked off stage. Dan was next. I said, "Good fucking luck." Yeah. And, and oh then Dan God. went and did his stupid dumb act. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you're put, because I, I remember you've done that. Because you said that when I first moved up here and I saw you at a mic, you were like, "Oh no, I'm just going to fuck with people." Is that you were like, "I'm not going to do material." And then I was like, "Oh, okay." And then you went up there and you did that, and I was like, "Holy shit, you're doing it here too." I was like, is that something that you do when you just feel like, I gotta fucking do it, you know? Well, I just, uh, sometimes, like, I, I, for a while there, I was going to 21 mics a week. And, the, and when you do that, you get, you learn tired about of your shit. You get tired of your stuff, you get tired of everybody, and yeah. you just wait for someone to make a mistake. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> like, the, it was a couple of weeks ago, we were at Revisions, and uh, New York City was no mic. And, like, I went up and I tried, like, like all new jokes, and all of them just ate shit. And I was like, fuck. And, like, Lucas was there. I was like, ah, oh, Lucas saw me. This was all new. But I didn't want to be like, it was all new jokes. And then Lucas was like, I'm going to go do all new jokes. And then, like, he started eating shit, too. But the thing that's great about Lucas is, even if his joke is bombing, it's almost like Johnny Carson thing, where he starts roasting himself on stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where he's, like, breaking down why that didn't work. and blow. He's, like, doing crowd work with himself. Yeah, I I don't like bombing. Yeah, right? <laughs> at all. That's and, fucking funny. And I'm getting mad really quick. Yeah, really quick. That's I want to say that if you bomb and your first impulse is to I got to fix that and to get up and do it again because you've seen you've ever, oh, we've all seen it. We're like we'll all be hosting the open mic and see someone just have a fucking meltdown, yeah, yeah. and then you'll never see them again. And then the people who you see 
do the worst where you're like, oh, I hope they don't blow their fucking brains out after this. <laughs> they come back the next time and you're like, all right. Slightly better. All right. Or at least alive. You know, you made it. You succeeded in not killing yourself after that. I mean, that's like step one to continuing comedy. But, you know, like that bomb is, is fucking telling. It's the worst is bombing in front of people, though. Audience. Yes. Jesus. That's what, like, he's talking about, like, Emo Phillips, like, bombed on Letterman. Yeah. God. Oh, man. It's enough to bomb when you're doing new material and revisions in the East Village, but it's, like, in front of one of the greatest comedy minds of all time. On television. Oh, Jesus. Fuck, now I want to see that so bad. And I want it so bad, and it's, like, this lore that I can't find. It's, like, a mythical legend. Yeah. It's kind of like how the Star Wars Christmas special, nobody could find it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Fine. And you can get it if you, you want can, it. You can get it now if you really look for it. It wasn't, it was, what is it? Not Christmas, it's... Uh, That's why it's the name of it, probably. Yeah. The but holiday yeah. special? Yeah. The, the, no, it's, it's. they call it the date, light, the... Uh, oh, uh, Life Day or something Life like Day, that. yeah. This is the thing, they might cut it. They might have cut it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why no one's seen it. Like, they just completely delete it. Move just right. Just over, record over. Because they can just push this, and then they could throw in another clip of something that they didn't use yeah. before. Right. So it may we, not exist. Yeah, so it might not exist. That's why it's so interesting. You know what's... Like, back in the early days of television, like, they... Like, film was so expensive to make, because they, they didn't know how to make it. Right. So they would, like, do, like, an I Love Lucy episode, and they were like, all right, we played it. Let's, uh, let's record the Honeymooners over that one. Yeah, so there's, like, so many old, like, films and, like, comedy sets that are gone forever yeah. and nobody will ever see. Well, now, because nobody thought... Imagine imagine you explain to Lucille Ball that you can go on your computer, on your phone, right now, just something you carry around in your pocket, and find everything ever. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like literally, you could literally type in video, like, instantly. There's no idea. Like, I remember when... Something would air, and you had to make, make sure you're home. Make sure you're home to watch it, because if it, I mean, you may never see it again. You know what I mean? There was right. even the VCR. You'd be like, "Oh, you set the VCR because," it might, and if the VCR fucks up, like it, like it cuts off before the thing ends, or it starts at the wrong time. That sounds like an an ancient history, an ancient civilization to how where we are now. You know, so yeah. like imagine like these people just deleting. Like, like a, there's a Mel Brooks documentary where he talks about how there were these live performances and that, or, or even show, like the show of shows with Sid Caesar and stuff like that, where he, he, he fucked around. Like, he did a, a, like almost like an improv thing on live television that wasn't, that was being broadcast, but right. not really recorded. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's all gone. Well, the reason why I heard this story is of the lore is, we, I was talking about like how there's so many great comedians, but some of them are really bad when they get put on TV because yeah. they have to do exactly what the words say on the po- teleprompter. Yeah. Right. And then I was like, who was the one that messed it up? And someone was like, I think Emo Phillips is the one that ruined ruined oh, really? that. Oh. So Emo Phillips might be responsible for every comedian having to have their whole act on paper. Because that's what I think happened. Is Emo went on stage, he did some material that was so dark and probably not <laughs> Not okay. what they, yeah, not what they approved. They didn't probably approve it. Yeah. Oh, oh! That that started the whole approval process. You're saying, yeah. Fuck. Uh. Well, we got to wrap this up. Um, uh, so, 
when it comes to Emo Phillips, how do you feel like he like defines that comedy hero role? You know what I mean? Where does he fit into that for you? He just, it, to me, the reason why he's a hero is not only is he one of the smartest comedy writers of all time, but yeah. he loves doing comedy so much that he works every weekend. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's perfect. Couldn't have put it any better. Well, this has been great. Lucas, uh, if you want to uh, plug uh, your Twitter or your Facebook, what is it uh, you have? Uh, my my Twitter is at LovableLucas. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. And uh, you can see him all over New York City. Uh, odds are, if there's a show, he's there. He's just always around. He's like a, he's either there or he just left. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, is Lucas here? Oh, man, you just missed him. Oh, he's coming later. Or it's one of those two, a variety of those. Uh, I'm Mike Mercadol at Mike Mercadol on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Follow at William A. Watkins on Twitter. Mm. And uh, you can follow Zeros and Heroes on uh, Instagram and whatever. All the things are included on the description of what you're listening to this thing on. Right you now. know how the internet works. Everyone does. You need, sometimes you need a reminder. And uh, what's a good emo joke to go out on? Uh, to quote my grandfather before he died. A bus. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lucas. And uh, remember, everybody, go out and be heroic. Um, guys, ready? We recording. Let's go. That's going to get included somewhere. (laughs) I have to leave that.